Thursday, August 29th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And we are heading into the final full weekend of fantasy football drafting. Some leagues wait until next week in, in those final few days before the season actually kicks off. And the FFPC main event, of course, will hold its live event in Las Vegas next weekend. Drafting there will take place after the Packers and Bears have officially opened the season in Chicago. Jared, that that always adds an interesting wrinkle, I think, to the final round of FFPC drafting. I mean, last year, the Eagles-Falcons game didn't really give us a lot. We got duds from Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman, a pedestrian line from Zach Ertz. Um, That was the best that the Eagles had. We did get 10 catches, 169 yards from Julio Jones, but of course, no touchdown at the end of the game when people were hoping for it and the Falcons needed it. The year before, though, that was that monster Chiefs game at New England where Kareem Hunt blew up as a rookie. Uh, He was a top three overall pick in a lot of FFPC drafts following that performance. We got a big Tyreek Hill. We got four touchdowns from Alex Smith in that one. Anybody that you think is going to alter FFPC drafting in the Bears-Packers game next week? Mitchell Trubisky, baby. The uh, the bre- breakout season starts starts one week from today. Something starts <laughs> one week from yeah. today. We'll see what it is. No, yeah, I think I think David Montgomery's ADP is, is going to swing like a round or two in either direction. I, mean, I, I could see him coming out and getting like eight carries and one target, and then he's like a seventh rounder. I could see him, you know, breaking off a big touchdown run too. And being, you know, like a late second, early third rounder, maybe in that Devontae Freeman carry on Johnson territory. So I think I think he's a guy that'll be interesting to see what what happens in week one and how that affects drafts. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see what goes on with the Bears receivers. I, the Packers have been soft on defense, but they made a lot of changes this offseason. I would not be surprised if this game doesn't give us a ton in the way of points. But, you know, we've got a new coordinator, new defensive coordinator in Chicago. We've got a new coaching staff in Green Bay. Definitely going to be an interesting game. There's still time for you to register for the FFPC main event. Whether you want to fly to Vegas or draft from your couch, just head to myffpc.com to jump in. That's myffpc.com. Now, though, Jared, it's also the final big weekend of drafting for those not taking part in high-stakes competitions. So we're going to hit on some last-minute draft advice today. We're going to take a look at some early schedule stuff, specifically quarterback and team defense, because that's, I think, where most of us like to try to take advantage of the matchups and, you know, actually comb the waiver wire for options. So that starts mattering now, whether you have drafted already or even if you um, have not drafted yet, we'll get into those things again. We're going to dip into the mailbag once again. Over on DraftSharks.com, we have updated our entire perfect draft series with lots of player movement up and down the rankings. We've got some key injuries, of course, that we've talked about that we know have changed things and just some significant shifts in ADP, maybe on player buzz or preseason performance, all that. Check out the perfect draft before your draft this weekend. We've got them for 10, 12, 14 teams, PPR, non-PPR. So we should have one that fits your style. Stay tuned to Shark Bites, of course, for any important updates up to and even during your draft. But fortunately, I don't think we'll have anything like last Saturday with Lamar Miller and Andrew Luck. Hopefully not, you know, for our, uh, I guess for the sake of our health. Um, I mean, obviously, though, we still got we still got the Melvin Gordon and Zeke Elliott things to, to sort out over the next week here. 
Yeah, I think that's what we'll all be sitting up on our like lifeguard stand with our binoculars watching for reports on Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott arriving. Of course, those are going to swing draft um, draft plans. Let's get into the mailbag first, though. And we've got Corey Worgen from Facebook who wants some late round quarterback committee tandems for those who want to wait on the position. And it's an article we used to do, but I think it's the overall it makes more sense to kind of stream it now than to focus on two specific guys you want. But that doesn't mean that you can't pick out guys that fit together. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason we stopped doing that article, you know, it was an article we, we, we would find pairs of quarterbacks whose schedules matched up, you know, nicely based on matchups. We, I think we stopped doing it because in a lot of leagues without deep benches, it just it doesn't make sense to roster two quarterbacks right out of the gate. You're better off using those bench spots on upside running backs and wide receivers. Um, but, you know, if your bench goes eight plus spots, you, you can roster two quarterbacks. I, I think you know my, my favorite quarterback out of the gate, just based on matchups, is Phillip Rivers. Um, his first four weeks are home for the Colts, at the Lions, home for the Texans and at the Dolphins. So I think you could you could draft Rivers and use him those first four weeks. And then if you wanted to pair him with someone, my guy, Mitchell Trubisky, um, you know, Rivers has a tougher matchup in week five. Trubisky gets the Raiders that week. Um, you can go back to Rivers in week six against the Steelers and then back to Trubisky in week seven against the Saints. So I think I think that gives you seven nice matchups to, to, to start the season. Yeah, and two other fairly late quarterbacks in ADP that have delivered fantasy numbers before and start out with favorable schedules. Tom Brady, who we've mentioned before, uh, the beginning of his schedule has Pittsburgh at home, at Miami, home for the Jets, at the Bills, at Washington, Giants, and at Jets. I mean, that's, what, seven games deep on the schedule? Now, the game at Miami has given Tom Brady trouble at times, and the new Dolphins head coach is you know, a longtime defensive coach from the Patriots. So that might be a, a, a tricky spot, but... If you're waiting until late, I think Tom Brady is a good base, and then you can add somebody maybe who uh, has a better Week 2 matchup. Maybe Tom Brady and Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's got the Browns in Week 2, who also might have a tough defense, but the Browns are coming to the Jets that week, so that helps, I think. If you wanted to wait super, super late, you take Sam Darnold and Nick Foles, because Foles opens the season home for the Chiefs, so you could use him and then pivot to Darnold for Week 2. There you go. And the other one that I was looking at was uh, Kirk Cousins, who not going as late as Brady. His his draft position really swings a lot. You could see mm-hmm. him go as early as like round 10 and as late as like QB 20 off the board. So if he lasts for a while, they start home against Atlanta at Green Bay and then home for Oakland. So you could get a nice start out of Kirk Cousins and then kind of see where you need to go from there. If you did, if you're not waiting until super late, Kyler Murray Um, I was really looking into his schedule a little further this week when I got a reader question about it. And even though we're concerned about the Cardinals overall, his opening schedule has Detroit, Carolina, Seattle, all coming to Arizona within the first four games. I would plan to avoid the week two game at Baltimore. But beyond those first four, we've got at Cincinnati, home for Atlanta, at the Giants, at the Saints, Niners, at Bucks, at Niners. There is a lot of potentially favorable spots in there where – even if Kyler Murray is, you know, shaky to begin with, he could be in for a nice start to the fantasy season. Yeah, I, I love that middle portion of the schedule you mentioned there, starting with Cincinnati in week five. I'd still be a bit gun shy to use Murray week one, just based on what we've seen in the preseason. And then it's that, that Lions team, I, I I still think, wants to slow the game down and run a bit. So you know, even the, the Cardinals, as fast as they want to play, they might sort of get bogged down by the Lions. But, you know, Kyler Murray, I, I could see him appearing as a bye 
in our buy sell hold reports after that week four game before that nice stretch. Kyler Murray could be a week week one DFS gold if you and other people are worried about him against the Lions. I think I might take a shot there. I'm going to put that one in my pocket. You know, it, it seemed like, and not to get too deep into DFS here, but it seemed like a couple of weeks ago he was going to be the chalk week one play. Um, I wonder if that has changed now that we've seen him struggle a bit and that offense struggle a bit in the preseason. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what the fan share numbers say. Because maybe, maybe some people will be like me, where maybe you're a little bit more nervous about owning Kyler Murray now. So you go ahead and play him in DFS and see what happens. Yep. Uh, on the defense side, that Chargers schedule comes up again. And going through the perfect drafts and going through the team defense strategy article just revealed to me that I would really like to start the season with the Chargers because they're home for the Colts, they're at the Lions, then home for Houston at Miami, home for Denver and Pittsburgh at Tennessee at Chicago, home for Green Bay, at Oakland. I mean, I could see starting the Chargers every single week up until their home date with the Chiefs in week week 11, I think it is. Yeah, week 11. So I could see them being a starter for 10 weeks. Yeah, the Chargers, definitely my top defense target in drafts. I did an FFPC draft last night. I reached, you know, I think it was like the 16th round, which is, you know, a little earlier than I normally go. But I took the Chargers defense in the 16th round just to make sure I got them. So they're my top target. Number two is the Ravens, just because they're home for the Dolphins in week one. So you just, I think they're an elite play there. Um, the Cowboys, who open with a couple nice matchups, Giants, Redskins, Dolphins. So they'd be like my number three target. Uh, the Eagles are my fourth target. They open against the Redskins. And then if you get to round 19 or 20 or whatever, the last few rounds of your draft, you don't have a defense. At it. I think the Seahawks, just for week one, at home against the Bengals, you know, no A.J. Green, tons of offensive line issues. I think the Seahawks, you know, in the worst case scenario, are a fine week one play. Yeah, and I think that the Seahawks might pair well with the Bills if the Bills slip because I, I wouldn't want to play the Bills at the Jets in week one, but – uh, there's upside to a week two matchup at the Giants, and then they're home for the Bengals. Probably want to sit them against the Patriots in week four, but then at Tennessee the week after that. So even their, those, their road games mixed in, I think there's upside to the Bills as an early defense too. Yeah, definitely. So we've got team defense strategy on the website. Check that out, draftsharks.com. Um, more in the mailbag, Jeff Viviano on Facebook has an option to pick a keeper for his $200 auction draft that's coming next week. His top options are Todd Gurley at $39, George Kittle at $18, Damian Williams at $13. It sounds like he can only pick one player. Jeff says, I typically go running back heavy and think I have more options if I keep Williams, but I'm concerned about his wide range of outcomes. My other option is not keeping anyone, go into the draft with a full budget. What do you think? What do you think, Jared? All right, yeah, so I set up an a, a auction MVP board, and I assumed it was 12 teams and half PPR, so this would change a bit depending on the, those different rules. Jeff didn't tell us his exact rules there. But so based on that, uh, we have Todd Gurley at $45. So, you know, he's he's $6 more than, than Jeff could keep him at. George Kittle's at $34 versus the 18 Jeff can keep him at. Damon Williams is at 29 So So for me, it comes down to Kittle and Williams. I think Gurley's pretty much fairly valued at his keeper price. I would lean towards Kittle. I just feel he, he's a safer bet to hit. And you know, I think he, he gives you just as big an edge at tight end as Williams does at a running back spot, probably even a bigger edge. So keep Kittle your set at tight end with an elite guy there, and then you can sort of you know spend up at running back in, during the auction. Well, for me, this is easily Williams because he, I think, is going to be a $30-plus guy in the auction itself. 
13 bucks. We're talking about like round seven, round late round six um, running back value. So you're keeping this guy, even if you don't like him at the round three level at a fraction of what he would cost at the auction. And you can make him your third running back. You can easily buy two more running backs more expensive than that. I prefer to go cheaper at tight end. I will take somebody like Austin Hooper or maybe even Kyle Rudolph plus another and maybe even spend less than $10 total at the position and then have more money to to play around with. Like Jeff alluded to, I think keeping Williams not only keeps the upside because I'll admit that there is upside to Williams, even though I've yeah. been mostly skeptical about him, but you get that upside without overspending for it and it leaves you plenty of room to spend at other spots. Yeah, that's fair. Again, I would agree that Williams is probably the better pure value. Um, and, you know, you could also spend even nine, 10 bucks on Darwin Thompson and sort of lock up the Chiefs backfield for, you know, 22, 23 bucks. So that makes sense. My thing is just when, when I'm only getting one keeper, I sort of want to make sure that guy's a hit. And I, and I think we both agree that Kittle is at least safer than Damian Williams. I'll say that Kittle's safer as a hit overall. Adam Connolly wants to know about the value of this year's rookie running backs in general. We certainly talked about a lot of these guys at various points in various ways. The thing that stands out to me right now about rookie running backs is that some of them are really climbing to the point where it's going to be dangerous to keep chasing them, I think. Miles Sanders into round five, and I didn't even realize that until I was updating the perfect draft, but that's that's a little too high for me, especially when we're talking about the same range where Duke Johnson's going. And Darwin Thompson, I didn't even realize that he that his ADP was this high until I saw it in your notes. Yes, uh, seven twelve according to our latest ADP numbers. Um, yeah, he you know, he's he, he's probably the buzziest player in fantasy football right now. Um, you know the the other two, I think the big two, Josh Jacobs up to three oh nine, David Montgomery three ten. I think Jacobs is like pretty fairly priced there. I haven't drafted him much, if at all, but I don't have a big issue with him. I still think Montgomery is overvalued at 310. It's it's these later guys, I think, that are most interesting to me. Justice Hill in the 12th round. Even Damian Harris, he was a buzzy guy early in August when we didn't know about Sonny Michelle. Michelle's healthy for now, but I think spending a 13th round on Damian Harris, I mean, I, I still think he's going to be a big factor if Michelle misses time this season. So so I guess it, it's, it's those later double-digit round rookie running backs that I'm most interested in right now. Yeah, I mean, late Patriots running back is always something worth taking in fantasy drafts. Early Patriots running back is where you get in trouble. I look at this list of rookies, and it's really guys that I'm probably not taking at this point. I love the upside on Darwin Thompson, but in round seven, you're pretty much buying that Damian Williams goes down at some point. Because I don't think it's going to be a backfield that turns both of them into starters. Maybe it does, but we haven't really seen that happen much in Kansas City. It it used to happen with Andy Reid's Eagles at times, but even that was not a a consistent thing. So I I just think a lot of these guys are climbing past where they really make sense. You said Josh Jacobs in a fair range. I agree with that. But I tend to be taking the other guys that are also going in late round three, whether it's Devontae Freeman or Leonard Fournette or who, you know, whoever happens to make that point in a specific draft. Yeah, even Chris Carson, I still like over Josh Jacobs. So that's probably why I have not been getting much Jacobs. I'll I'll fess up and say I, I took Darwin Thompson at 8.03 in the, the FFPC draft I did last night. Um, I mean, I, I get it that it's early, but also in the eighth round, no one else excites me. And mm-hmm. I, I was you know pretty sure that he wasn't going to make it back to me in the late ninth. Yeah, uh, I would say that's a good assessment. And I think that's fair is when you get to the point where you're like, eh, 
I don't really want anything here. That guy might be better value, but I don't want him. I'm going to take the upside. Yeah. I think that's fine, especially if you spent the first seven rounds basically, you know, filling the starting spots and you have yeah. room to buy some upside. It was it was also a rare wide receiver heavy start for me. I started with three straight wide receivers, so yeah, I was sort of in the mode mm-hmm. of stockpiling some of those upside running backs. I noticed that in looking at the latest draft. David Harris wants to know if he should favor T.Y. Hilton or Robbie Anderson, and that's where it's gotten to with Andrew Luck retiring. Yeah. What do you think? It, it's still Hilton for me. Um, I, I mean, at this point, I, I would say Robbie Anderson has the better quarterback, but I, I think Hilton's still a better bet for targets. And I, I still think Hilton's a better player. So, you know, if, if they're going at the same same range of drafts, it's Hilton for me. I agree. I, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the season, Robbie Anderson has outscored T.Y. Hilton. But if I'm betting right now, I'm still betting on T.Y. Hilton. Better player, even, uh, as you said, higher in the target hierarchy, I think, than, Robert Anderson, than Robbie Anderson. I, I'm even getting formal with him. That's how much I dislike him, apparently. <laughs> T.Y. Hilton, I think, could could see an even larger share of targets than usual with, uh, you know, a new quarterback under center. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes, but I, I would favor Hilton. And his ADP has dipped into where he makes sense to me in drafts. Him and Marlon mm-hmm. Mack, I was noticing in updating my 10-team perfect drafts. Yeah, I think fourth round is where I start to um, consider T.Y. Hilton, and I've definitely seen him get into that territory in recent drafts. Marlon Mack, I'm still more hesitant about just because I, I don't know what to make of his of his passing game role, which I think, you know, as we talked about in Tuesday's podcast, is going to be more important now that it's Brissett under center. Yeah, he's getting into the fifth round for 10-team drafts, though, which is, you know, late enough where it's like, all right, why not? I'll take some Marlon Mack here. I'll still take Duke Johnson over Marlon Mack in the fifth, but I guess, you know, if Duke is gone and I need a running back, yeah, I think Mack would start to come into play in the fifth round. I would rather have Duke Johnson as well. And that, that might seem odd coming off a double-digit touchdown season for Mack, but I think these guys are really similar in size. Duke Johnson has displayed the receiving upside, and he plays in an offense that's probably going to be much better than the Colts this year. Could be one of the top three in the league. Yep, exactly. And the Texans have been one of the faster pace offenses. I think they they, they run the ball, I think, more than a lot of people think. I mean, just based mm-hmm. on Bill O'Brien's history, we'll see if that changes now with that Duke Johnson's lead guy. D- Duke Johnson's become one of my one of my favorite draft targets late in the process here. I agree. I'll start looking his way as early as round four. Yep. AJ Burns says, do I dare get burned by Sammy Watkins again? He's going as wide receiver 42. And it just seems like on the Kansas City offense that he can be of some value there. I don't don't care what else is going on in Kansas City. If Sammy Watkins is at wide receiver 42, then absolutely he's a value. And I love it when people say I'm never drafting Sammy Watkins again because he has not climbed no matter how people how excited people are about the Chiefs. And Sammy Watkins is a primary target for me in leagues of all formats. Yeah, feel that Sammy Watkins burn, baby. He, I've, I've been drafting him a lot to eighth, ninth round. In in his eight healthy games last year, you know that's obviously the issue. We only got eight healthy games out of Watkins, and you sort of got to been out of missing time this year. But in his eight healthy games last year, he was the PPR wide receiver 24. So he was basically producing as a low-end wide receiver two, and you're drafting him as a wide receiver four. And we've mentioned on here he was basically getting the same target share as Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was ahead of him by like one percentage point. And I I know it's frustrating when a guy misses multiple games, you know, multiple seasons. But Sammy Watkins is not Tyler Eifert. He hasn't played five games over the past three years. We can count right. on him for probably more than half of the season. So, you know, if I get eight games of Sammy Watkins and then I have to figure it out otherwise, I'll take that in round seven. Exactly. When you're drafting guys in that range, you're not drafting them to be every week starters for you. You know, those are ba- they're basically bench guys at that point. So 
know, even if you can get eight to 10 games out of Watkins, he, he's paying off for you. So AJ, you should go ahead and take a shot on Sammy Watkins unless you are in a league with me or Jared. In that case, you should stay way away. From- yes, please. Josh Lavelle on Twitter says, who would you rather have in this trade? So somebody has already drafted. It's non-PPR scoring, six-point passing touchdowns, and the trade would be Tyreek Hill and Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson and Travis Kelsey. Jared, what do you think here? Yeah, it's the Watson and Kelsey side for me. Just comparing Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, those guys are pretty even in value to me. I mean, I would lean towards Kelsey if I'm if I'm choosing between the two just because the edge he gives you at tight end. Um, and then, and then it's Watson over Rogers for me, even with the six point passing touchdowns, um, based on our projections, Deshaun Watson still comes out of he- ahead of Aaron Rodgers. So for me, you're sort of upgrading at quarterback and getting the more uh, valuable guy in Travis Kelsey. I agree. I, I agree on Kelsey and Hill basically being even, you know, that's kind of reflected in where they're going in drafts. And I mm-hmm. agree that then it comes down to Watson versus Rogers. And I prefer Watson, the six point passing touchdowns balances it a bit, but I really don't think that Rodgers crushes Watson on upside, even in that category. So I'm I'm buying. I've been buying Watson all off season. I'm still buying. If that's a decision, I would take the Watson Kelsey side of this. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Watson throws more touchdowns than Rodgers this season. Even though you know Rodgers has been one of the better touchdown bets um, in the past. But yeah, you know, I'm not sure we talked about it either on the pod too much. But the Lamar Miller injury and, and Duke Johnson being the lead back, I did. I think that that boosts Watson's upside even further because one, he's getting a better pass catching back, and two, I think it, it's you know likely going to push Houston a bit more towards the pass this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how it would not do either of those things. So I agree. Maybe it doesn't make a difference, but I think that it there is at least the potential that it does give a little bit of boost on that side. Not to mention that we're in the third season of Deshaun Watson in the NFL. So it kind of feels like he's been around for a while, but he's actually spent not even one and a half full years as a starter. So we should get some development from him anyway. They have yep. a developing wide receiver core with the second season of Kiki Cutie, who has less than a full season behind him. We're getting Will Fuller back after he missed half of last year. So it's a developing pass offense overall. We could just see a bit more passing volume anyway. I think that's part of the potential range of outcomes for Watson. I mean, really, that offense is set up to be one of the pass heavier offenses. We'll see if they go in that direction. But just based on the personnel, I mean, you know, they, they should be throwing it a bunch. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not betting that they'll be among the pass heavier, but yeah. by the end, if they have thrown 590 to 600 passes, I don't think we should be shocked. Yep, exactly. Uh, so that does it for the questions for this week. Keep them coming in whenever you got them. We'll be happy to answer them. Draft weekend, as we said, the final big draft weekend. So we've got some last minute tips to give out to people. Jared, what do you want people to know heading into their drafts tonight, this weekend, or even early next week? Okay, so I, I have three things that I'm sort of keeping at top of mind as I go into my, my final few drafts here. The first one is sort of how, how I'm attacking the running back position. And at this point, I, I want to get two running backs in the first five rounds of drafts. And that could mean going RBRB to start, could be you know going wide receiver, wide receiver, and then taking a couple of running backs. For me, it's that Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Sonny Michelle, and now Duke Johnson range. And, you know, Duke tends to make it to the fifth round. So that's why I sort of have, you know, Duke as sort of your cutoff. You want to have your second running back by then. And then I'm going to sort of ignore the position for the next few rounds. And then, again, as we've talked about, it's that round eight through 12 territory where there's a lot of upside guys I like to stash. So I really want to get two to three out of Latavius Murray, Darius Geis, Matt Breda, 
Darwin Thompson and Justice Hill. So you, you sort of lay your base with those first two guys and then draft the upside guys in those later rounds. So that's my first thing. Second thing I'm keeping in mind that I sort of want to make sure I do get one of the top six tight ends. I, I've just liked my teams better when I have either that stud in the tight end spot or one of these upside guys that I think could, you know, jump into that upper tier. So for me, it's it's Travis Kelsey anywhere in the second round. I'm going to hop on him. George Kittle, I've, I've sort of come up on him over the last few weeks here with all the Niners questions at wide receiver. So George Kittle in the third round is a target. And if I, if I don't get either of those two, I want to really try to get either OJ Howard Evan Ingram or Hunter Henry in the in the fifth round. And it seems like in most drafts, you know, outside of the FFPC with the tight end premium scoring, that, that one of those, at least one of those three tight ends gets into the fifth round. And then my last note, just a more general thing, outside the first six or seven rounds, I say just go get your guys. Don't worry much about ADP and target guys who have difference making potentially, you know, guys who could turn into every week starters for you and really, you know, put your team over the top. So for me, those guys, again, we talked about the running backs, Matt Breda, Darwin Thompson are my two targets in like the eighth through 10th round range at wide receiver, Josh Gordon. I think you can still get him in the seventh, eighth round. We know the upside he brings. Sammy Watkins is on my list. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, still a guy I'm targeting in every draft in like the ninth or 10th round. And then it's still Debo Samuel for me. I mean, I've been taking him all off season, still like Debo Samuel. No one's really stepped up in the Niners wide receiver core. So, you know, Debo in like the 13th or 14th round, I think gives you a lot of upside, outside chance, even that he becomes the Niners number one receiver at some point this season. Josh Gordon, Sammy Watkins have been primary targets in that middle range for me at wide receiver. And I'm, I'm finding myself more so having my guys, you know, quote unquote, my guys at receiver in that range of the draft than I am at at running back. Cause I I still prefer to get three of those guys among the first five rounds and not have to worry about where ADP and where other people are actually drafting the, the other running backs are are going to dictate what I get. So I, I like to get three in the first five rounds for the tight ends. As you mentioned, Really, Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry has turned into my starting point. I'm certainly fine with Kelsey where he's going. I'm fine with George Kittle to a lesser degree. But I'm really starting to look when it's Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry time. And then if I don't get one of those guys, I'm still fine with Austin Hooper being my top one. I might look to get him around ahead of ADP if I don't get either Evan Ingram or Hunter Henry earlier than that. But I I haven't been on the, the first three tight ends to this point. And I'm not even really all that worried if I don't get Evan Ingram at this point. My biggest tip through the early rounds though, is always my biggest focal point is to be flexible. We get, you know, we, we focus in on exactly what we want to try to do from certain spots in the draft. And that's what the perfect draft does. And that's what we talk about here. Uh, And, you know, most of the questions that come in from people are like, I'm picking ninth, who should I take here? I don't go in with one player I want. I'll have, you know, a couple or some favorites, but I think that if you go in saying I need to start running back, running back, or I need to get one of each, or I need to start two receivers, that's where you end up hurting yourself. And not only that, if the draft goes differently than how you planned, when you get into it, you kind of get flustered and then you start getting off your overall plan and maybe not drafting the way that you would like to, if you plan it out ahead of time. So have a plan but be flexible. Know that there are different guys in every range that you can pivot to. And as we get this close, check the the team defense schedules. Make a short list of team defenses that you want to target if you are drafting a team defense in your draft. You know, you could still wait and not take one at all and then pick one up if you have a waiver run before Mm -hmm. one. But at this point, ignore the team defense rankings. 
you can look at them to see like who's good overall. But as we mentioned, the Chargers are probably the best target overall because you have to, when you take in draft price, they're going to go significantly later than the Bears. Uh, and they have a, even a better opening schedule than Chicago does. So target the Chargers first and then mark down a few other options who have good starts to their schedule and know that you're probably not going to have the same team defense on your roster all season. Yeah, we, we always say wait till you know your your second to last pick to take your defense. I, I think with the Chargers at this point, I, I would go you know with your fourth or even fifth to last pick just to make sure you lock them up. Because again, like you said, I do think they're one of the five best defenses in the NFL, and they have just, just such a great schedule. You can hold on to them for so long and not not have to worry about streaming and playing matchups, and you know maybe using your waiver wire dollars on defenses. So I, I would I would be aggressive in in targeting the Chargers in drafts. Yeah, I agree. If you get to round twelve, round thirteen then a defense that you can start for, you know, at least the first month, month and a half of the season is going to be more valuable for you than a fifth or sixth receiver or a fifth running back, most likely. Yep. That'll do it for this mailbag edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com to make sure you have all the answers before you head into your draft. There are the constantly updated rankings that feed your customized MVP board. We have updated perfect draft articles. We have draft tiers for every position that were posted just this week. We have strategy articles for every position. We have full backfield breakdowns, sleepers. You can always email us directly with any questions that you just can't figure out the answer to. That is true now. That is true throughout the regular season. Season. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at Draft Sharks. Jared is at Smola DS. I am at Shop DS. That's S C H A U F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shop saying thanks so much for swimming with us.